Microphone check one, two, one, two. Welcome, everybody, to a new episode of the Instant Replay Podcast. As always, I am your host, Dominic Sharosky, and no intro music today. I'm actually testing out some new microphones. Uh, it's come to my attention in the last couple of episodes that uh, maybe and maybe this was me just talking too loud, <laughs> um, but it seems like there's a bit of a popping sound in certain points uh, throughout the episodes um, when I listened back to them. Um, so I was tweaking around with it, trying to figure out what it was. Like I said, maybe it might have been something as simple as me talking too loud, but Got some new microphones, so we're going to see how they work today. I also got an additional one, so that way when I have guests over and stuff like that, it's a little bit a little bit more professional, you know, just trying to, trying to take this to the next level and all that other good stuff. But thank you all so much for joining me today. Of course, this is the Instant Replay Podcast. As always, I am your host, Dominic Sharosky, and we have a bunch to get into. NBA playoffs have started. We are we're in the thick of it as far as the first round goes. New uh, comments have come out uh, with Aaron Rodgers and the NFL, everything that's going on there. So we've got a lot to talk about today. WNBA has started going off. The New York Liberty are off to a fantastic start. I think they're like 5-1 and one right now or 4-1, and one, something like that. Um, Sabrina Ionescu is already going out and showing that she is one of the best players in the league from Jump Street. But... Let's start with the, the NBA playoffs. So round one has begun. We've gotten through the play-in games, right? You know, so the Lakers beat the Warriors. The Warriors actually went on to lose to the Memphis Grizzlies. So Grizzlies made it in. The Warriors were out. The Lakers ended up as the seventh seed. Um, the Wizards... Uh, the Celtics beat the Wizards. The Wizards then had to go on and play the Indiana Pacers, who played surprisingly well. I mean, they absolutely embarrassed the Charlotte Hornets in that playing game. It was, I mean, they put up like almost 150 points. It was, it was bad. It was a very bad showing for the Charlotte Hornets. And, you know, nights like those happen. You just hope that they don't happen in some of your more important games. But they did, and that set the stage for our first-round matchups. And boy, were they great. So first round matchups, we have Miami Heat versus the Milwaukee Bucks. You have the Dallas Mavericks and the Los Angeles Clippers. You have the Boston Celtics and the Brooklyn Nets. You have the Portland Trailblazers and the Denver Nuggets. You have obviously the Washington Wizards and the Philadelphia 76ers, the Los Angeles Lakers and the Phoenix Suns, the Atlanta Hawks and the Knicks, and then the Grizzlies and the Jazz. So... All of that being said, a couple of the first round games have already been played, and we're just going to do some quick takeaways here from what we've seen so far. We'll save the Heat and Bucks because they actually played yesterday, and I want to talk about yesterday's game more so than the first game, because yesterday's game was very, very, very surprising. But game one of the Dallas Mavericks and the Los Angeles Clippers game. <sighs> I'm not here. I'm not I'm not here to so panic, right? Now, for those of you who don't know, the Dallas Mavericks did end up winning game 1 of this series against the Los Angeles Clippers in an upset. Uh 113 to 103. They get the win on the road in game 1. They're up one nothing in this series. And <sighs> It's very interesting looking at this Clippers team because almost to a detriment, it's 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 a little concerning. They look very similar to how they did in the playoffs last year. They're struggling sometimes offensively. Um, they had no answer for Luka Doncic. I mean, there there were times where they kept on switching uh, Ivan Zubac. Zubac on to Luka Doncic one-on-one, and every time it happened, Luka just hit a step-back three in his face. Like, it, it was ridiculous. They had absolutely no answer for Luka in that game. Now, granted, it is game one, right? It's game one. I don't think it's something that the Clippers can't come back from, but they just... 
this Clippers team just, for whatever reason, doesn't seem to work. And part of it, obviously, is due to some of the struggles that they have. You know, they have Rondo, and that's a big piece, but they still don't have a starting point guard who can really run the offense. You know, like Reggie Jackson is a nice piece, but he's not someone who is going to be like, he's not, he's not an elite level starter, nor is he an elite level guy that runs an offense, right? He's more of a scorer. He's a score first type guy. Um, you also have Paul George, who's continuing to struggle, you know, shot eight of 18, two of eight from three, um, only 23 points. Things like that are really what's getting in the way of this Clippers team uh, succeeding and reaching the potential that they should. I mean, they finished third in the Western Conference for a reason, right? So this is a Clippers team that has a ton of talent, um, but they just always seem to underachieve. Um, now, like I said, it's game one. Nothing to freak out over. Yes, you lost game one at home. Okay, they still have to beat you three more times, right? This is the NBA. This is the playoffs. It's a best of seven, right? So the first team to win four games. It's, again, not something that they can't come back from, but it is telling, right? It is, it's it's more so just, I don't, I don't think the Clippers are in danger this series, but what I do believe is that we're seeing some of the same problems that they had last year. And I feel like that will be their detriment moving forward. Um, especially if they're in a situation where, you know, they might end up possibly having to play, um, someone like the jazz maybe in the first round. So, or in the second round, I'm sorry, not the first round, (laughs) but it's, it's, it's concerning just because, like I said, it seems like a lot of the same problems they had from last year are creeping back. Um, So we'll see what happens with the Clippers moving forward. Like I said, I don't think that they are in trouble this series, but the Clippers could be going home next round. I could very very easily see the Clippers not making it out of the second round. Just they have to figure out something. Whatever adjustments they need to make, they need to make it. Um, Because Kawhi Leonard can't do it all by himself, right? Kawhi Leonard played 40-something minutes last night. He had 26 points, um, 10 rebounds. Like he, he's, he's, he had a decent game. He wasn't a phenomenal game, but it was good. But he can't do it all by himself. He's going to need a lot more help um, from a lot of people. I mean, a lot. They have to figure out a way to slow down Luca first and foremost, because, like I said, switch the switches weren't working. You have to start putting someone else on him. In all honesty, yes, it may tire them out. You need to put Kawhi and Paul George on Luka. Just have those two rotate, you know, quarter after quarter, just covering him. Because if Luka gets going, he opens up the game and the floor for so many other guys on this team. The pick and roll with Chris Stapp starts getting going. Who, by the way, the Clippers don't have an answer for. Um... Dorian Finney-Smith was playing really well. You have Tim Hardaway Jr. who played well. Like, there's a there's there's really good pieces on this team in in Dallas that when Luka gets going, they start to shine brighter. You have to slow down Luka, and the Clippers are gonna have to force like they're gonna have to put Kawhi and Paul George on him. It's it's really just that simple because you need someone who can. You need to be able to neutralize Luka without doubling him. And that's something that they couldn't do because for whatever reason, they didn't want to put Paul George or Kawhi Leonard on Luka Doncic. So they kept on trying to throw double teams on him. And whenever they double teamed him, he would find the open man. And if they weren't doubling him, they were just switching off and they were getting the Mavericks were getting the favorable matchup every single time that happened. Um, So the Clippers have something to figure out again, game one, but could this spell disaster? Maybe. Like I said, I, I have serious doubts about the Clippers. Not necessarily with this round. I do think they'll be fine. I think they'll beat the Mavericks. 
I do have serious concerns about them moving forward. Uh, the next game from Saturday was the Boston Celtics and the Brooklyn Nets. A good game, um, a really good game, actually, uh, up until about the the second half was really when Brooklyn started to kind of pull away, ended up winning, ended up outscoring the Celtics, I believe, by like 57 to 40 in the second half, something like that. Um, but my biggest takeaway from this Brooklyn Nets game, from this uh, Nets and Celtics game, game one, was that one, the Celtics really missed Jalen Brown. Had Jalen Brown been there, um, the Celtics probably would have won game one, in all honesty. Like, if Jalen Brown were healthy and had he played last night or on Saturday night, uh, they probably would have won that game. My second biggest takeaway, really the biggest takeaway, was that this Nets team still isn't at their full potential. Um, and it's something that I kind of expected with this Nets team, because when you think about it, they're key three guys, right? Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, James Harden have only played eight games together, right? All three of them have only been on the floor together at the same time eight times this year before Saturday's game. They still have a lot to figure out as far as just their cohesiveness and the continuity of what this offense looks like with these three guys on the floor at the same time. Um, and don't forget about the fact that they still have Joe Harris, who's one of the best three-point shooters in the league and guys like that, right? So this, this offense is still figuring itself out. But even in the midst of them figuring itself themselves out, they're still liable to drop over 100 points. They're still going to go out there and Kevin Durant's going to have 28 and Kyrie Irving is going to have 26 and James Harden is going to have 26, right? Like that's the type of firepower that you have on this team. Um I feel sorry for Boston. I really do because I feel like Boston really took a huge step back this year. They, again, I, I'm baffled by what I saw out of the Celtics this year and just the huge step back that they had. Um, it really is surprising to me. It really is. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what happened with this team. Um, I expected them to take a huge step forward this year and they did not. Um, and now they're in a really tough spot where they're going to take on a team that, let's just be completely honest, has just championship mentality, right? Like the Brooklyn Nets, it's championship or bust for them, right? You have those three superstars on one team. It's championship or bust. And so for the Celtics to have to draw that in the first round, it's tough, but it's the situation that they put themselves in. Now, with that being said, I do believe the Celtics can still make this series interesting, right? Like, I don't think that this series is just a wash. I don't think the Celtics are going to get swept, right? I could see, I could very easily see the Celtics winning two games. Um, but we'll see what happens. You know, they, they were able to keep it competitive. And when you have someone like Jason Tatum, obviously you have Jason Tatum, you have Kimball Walker, you're going to be a competitive team. Um, it's just a matter of what, which Boston Celtics are we going to see? Which Celtic squad are we going to see um, night after night in the playoffs? But we'll see what happens there. As I said right now, Celtics are down 0-1. Nets are up 1-0. Game 2 is actually tonight on this Tuesday. Or, yeah, this Tuesday. So tonight uh, will be Game 2 of that series. Looking forward to seeing that. Um, the other game from Saturday, we'll actually talk about the teams that have played two games already. We'll get to them later. So we'll talk about the the Nuggets and the Trailblazers as well because they both played last night. I was going to say the Heat and the Bucks and the Trailblazers and the Nuggets uh, both played their game two game two of their series last night. So we're going to get into those in just a, uh, in just a second here. I want to deal with all of the teams that played game ones that haven't played game twos yet. Um, Philadelphia 76ers beat the Washington Wizards. The Wizards were able to keep it close. So the final score ended up being 125 to 118. Um, but no surprise there. Uh, even with the amount of talent that, um, Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook have combined together, 
it's not enough against this Philadelphia 76ers team that quite honestly has looked like the best team in the Eastern Conference really from point A to point B. The Philadelphia 76ers have been in the driver's seat for the majority of the year. That's the reason why they're the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. Um, so I don't really have much to say about this series, right? Like it's it's nice that Washington was able to turn their season around because if you remember Washington Wizards early on in the year had one of the worst uh, records in the league. They were struggling. It looked like this was an absolute train wreck. And then Russell Westbrook, Bradley Beal, they got it going. They figured some stuff out and were uh, able to turn this team around. You know, obviously the team made some trades, got some new guys in there, got some pieces. They made a playoff push and now they're in it. It's just, you have to go up against the Philadelphia 76ers who have, Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons and Tobias Harris and you know they went out and they added Seth Curry uh during the offseason so this 76ers team man is is really good I am I am really looking forward to seeing the Philadelphia 76ers and the Brooklyn Nets in the Eastern Conference Finals because I do believe that's what we are going to see um and I think that series is going to be amazing I think that series is going to be incredible but like I said, it's it's not much to take away from game one of this series. The Philadelphia 76ers did um, exactly what I thought they would do. They did exactly what they were supposed to do. Uh, and, you know, maybe Washington has enough talent between Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal to win one game. But they'll be lucky to, if, this season, if this series goes five games, right? The Wizards... The Wizards made the playoffs just so they could get bounced in the first round, if we're being completely honest. Because going up against Philly, they don't have a shot of beating them. They don't have an answer for Joel Embiid. They don't have an answer for Ben Simmons as far as just his size. And then obviously the the defensive presence that Ben Simmons uh, applies also. They just they don't have a shot against this Philadelphia 76ers team. So it was a nice season. It was a nice feel-good run, Cinderella run for the Washington Wizards to make it into the playoffs. But it it their their playoff uh their playoff lifespan will be short lived. Um, I fully expect this series to be over in four, five games max. We'll save the Lakers and the Suns for last. <laughs> Obviously, that's what everyone wants to hear about. You know, we want to hear about LeBron. We want to hear about the Lakers. We'll hold them off for a second. Uh, the Hawks and the Knicks. Listen. This, to me, is going to be one of the most fun series in the first round. Hawks and Knicks is going to be so much fun to watch just because you have two very young teams that are both very hungry, that both have really good young leadership and talent, that are both well-head coached, um, that both have fan bases that are pretty crazy about these uh, teams. Granted, like New York Knicks fans are always Knicks fans, right? Like they will ride with the blue and orange all day, 24 seven Atlanta Hawks fans, little more fair weather. When the team is good, they show up when the team is bad. They got other stuff to do, right? Um, but you have two fan bases that are very heavily invested uh, in this series. It's going to be a lot of fun. Game one was an, I mean, Game one was exactly what you wanted out of a playoff game one. Um, back and forth the entire game, close. And Trey Young in his playoff debut with, I mean, clutch shot. Game was tied at 105. Trey Young makes a runner in the lane with 0.9 seconds left to give the Hawks a 107 to 105 lead completely shut the garden up. It was amazing. He, Trey Young even had a moment where like, you know, he was putting his hand up to his ears. Like it's quiet in here. Like I can't like it was, it was, it was a great moment. Poor Spike Lee sitting there on the, on the, <laughs> on the you know, sitting there at court side, just heartbroken, <laughs> right? Seeing his Knicks lose game one. But I mean, it was a great game. Trey Young, Again, you want to talk about great debuts, 32 points, 10 assists. I believe one of only four guys, or he joins four guys in NBA history to have a 30-point, 10-assist uh, playoff debut. Guys like 
Derrick Rose, LeBron James, you know, so that's that's pretty elite company that Trey Young just put himself with. Um, obviously, he is one of the bright young stars in the league. And, you know, that's something that I think is a big takeaway from these playoffs so far is that the league is in such great hands moving forward. When you look at just the amount of young talent that is on this, that is that is in the league right now, the league is in such a great place with guys like Luca, guys like Trey Young, um, guys like, you know, uh, Donovan Mitchell, Devin Booker, um, so many young, talented pieces, right, are being showcased. Jason Tatum, right, like the league is in wonderful hands moving forward, but a great game between the Atlanta Hawks and the New York Knicks. The Hawks steal game one. It will be interesting. I do have the Knicks winning this series, but I do have this series going seven games. Um, I have this series going seven games. After after going after watching game one, yeah. Let me let me preface that because before I do believe I think I had the Knicks in six. I still have the Knicks winning, but this game this series is going to go seven games. Like I said, all around great game. Trey Young was fantastic. Um, Alec Burks actually had a, went absolutely bonkers for the Knicks. Here's what I will say though: If you are the Hawks, don't get too confident. Because a big part of the reason why the Knicks lost last night was because Julius Randle only scored 15 points. And Julius Randle, in my book, is the prime candidate to be uh, the most improved player in the league this year. He absolutely deserves it. He has been, he's played like an all-star all year. Julius Randle was phenomenal all year. Had a bad night, shot 6 of 23 uh, from the floor. I don't think that'll happen again. He, I think he's someone who has that mental fortitude to bounce back, especially in the playoffs. Um, so don't think that you figured something out. You know, it, it, Julius Randle had a terrible night and it still took a late last second heroic shot from Trey Young for you all to win this game. So if you're the Hawks, feel good about getting the win on the road. Obviously, you know, that's, that's super important, you know, getting that, uh, getting that win on the road when you're the road team. Um, especially in a playoff series, you know, that the, the key to winning, the key to winning a playoff series is protect your home court and steal one of theirs on the road, right? Protect your home court, beat them on theirs. That's the key to winning the playoffs. So Hawks are in a good spot right now. One, nothing. We'll see what they do in game two. But like I said, this is, this to me is probably the most entertaining series, um, that we have in the first round. And as far as my, as at least as I'm concerned, because this series is going to be phenomenal. Like I said, it's definitely going to go seven games, and I can't wait to see how the Knicks respond in game two. Uh, Coach Thibodeau is someone who knows what it takes to get to an Eastern Conference final, knows what it takes to be a champion. Obviously, he was an assistant coach on that Boston Celtics squad with Doc Rivers and the boys. So Tibbs is going to make his adjustments. I'm interested to see what they are. I'm interested to see how the Knicks look uh, in game two. Another surpriser, surpri- surpriser, <laughs> um, surprising game one, surprising of the game ones was the Memphis Grizzlies getting the upset over the Utah Jazz. Uh, obviously, the Grizzlies who made it in after beating the, um, excuse me, who made it in after beating the Golden State Warriors uh, in the playing games took on the Utah Jazz in game one, and they were able to pull off the upset, winning 112 to 109. And granted, there are some things that, you know, led to that. Um, First things first, have to give a huge, huge credit to John Morant, who, to quote Jay Crow, let me try that again. To quote J. Cole, Ja Morant, I'm on my Grizzly. Um, ja was everything that you wanted and more. I mean, he's just he's someone who's made for these moments. He's someone who he he knows what it takes. 11 to 21 from the field, ended up with 26 points. Uh, you actually got 31 points out of Dylan Brooks. Um, he's an 
very quietly, he's one of the most important pieces on this team, and you see it um, a lot with this with this Grizzlies team. He provides a lot, whether it's his scoring, whether it's his defense, because they oftentimes do ask him to guard the opposing, the best opposing guard, um, so that way they can kind of hide Ja a little bit defensively. But Dylan Brooks, man, he's 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 nice. Dylan Brooks very quietly is a very important piece on this team. Um, you also had Jaron Jackson Jr. who didn't have his best game uh, from this first round. But, you know, only seven points, but they were able to get the, get the win. Now, all of that being said, here's why I don't put too much stock in the Grizzlies winning game one. Donovan Mitchell didn't play. <laughs> it's really that simple. Um, Donovan Mitchell, I believe he was still dealing with, a, I think it was some a calf injury. And I think the Jazz just said, hey, game one, let's just give you a couple more days to rest up and make sure that you're all the way back. Now, obviously, Donovan Mitchell, Donovan Mitchell was furious because he's like, it's the playoffs. I want to be there. I'm, I'm like, I'm good. Am I hurt? Yes, I'm not injured though, right? But the Utah Jazz, I'm assuming, no disrespect to the Memphis Grizzlies, probably said, hey, look, we, we're we going to beat these guys in five games or less. We don't really need you to rush back. Like, we don't need you to rush back to beat the Grizzlies, right? Um, we can afford for you to take an, an extra couple days and maybe miss game one. And, you know, that's exactly what they did. Um, so, you know, that's why I said it's, 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 it's a good win for the Memphis Grizzlies, but I can't put too much stock into it because Donovan Mitchell did not play. Um, I'm sure when Donovan Mitchell gets back, he will be back for game two. Um, and that obviously will change things. But, you know, like I remember seeing like, I remember after the game, it's like, oh, can the Memphis can the Memphis Grizzlies upset uh, the Jazz in the first round? And it's like, no, <laughs> not at all. The Jazz will win this game in five games. Donovan Mitchell wasn't there. That's the only reason why the Memphis Grizzlies won game one. Had Donovan Mitchell been there, I'm sure this game would have went a completely different way. I also think the Utah Jazz very quietly have a little bit to prove as far as, um, you know, I think people forget that the Utah Jazz have a little bit of a bad taste in their mouth after what happened um, to them in the playoffs last year. You know, they were a team in the first round against the Denver Nuggets up 3-1, blew a 3-1 lead to the Denver Nuggets, got bounced out in the first round after Donovan Mitchell and Jamal Jamal Murray had some phenomenal performances. I mean, those two were battling um, in the playoffs last year. It was awesome to watch those two. I mean, both of them were having 40-point night, 50-point nights. Like, they... They both were incredible in the bubble last year. But like I said, I think the Jazz, the Jazz have something to prove as far as, you know, showing not only not only just trying to, you know, make right their wrongs from last season, but also, hell, I mean, this is the team. They were the number one seed in the Western Conference, had the best record in the league for a very long time, and have kind of been the consensus best team in the league. Uh just record wise and just from like an eyeball test, just looking at how they played for the majority of the season. So they, they got, they got some pressure on them, but I, like I said, I think they'll be okay. No Donovan Mitchell game one. He will be back for the rest of the series and knock on wood. will be back um, and will be healthy for the rest of the postseason. But Memphis feel good about your win. It's nice to get a, to get a upset in, you know, game one, but it will be short lived. Um, Memphis is going to be out of here in five. I think Utah wins the next four games. They wrap up this series pretty quickly. They don't want to have to tangle with these guys longer than they have to. So shout out to the Grizzlies, though. Good good game one win for you guys. Um, enjoy it because it's probably the last one you're going to have this season. Okay. The last of the games or the last of the series that have only played a game one so far. That is the Los Angeles. I can't speak today. The Los Angeles Lakers and the Phoenix Suns. Okay. The Suns pull off Game One, which some people, I guess, assumed said that that was an upset. 
Um, which I don't necessarily think so. I mean, like the Phoenix Suns are the higher seeded team, right? <laughs> like they were at home. Um, they won this game 99 to 90. The biggest takeaway from game one was first and foremost, the, the Los Angeles Lakers have no answer for Devin Booker. Devin Booker is going to get his. That's just a fact in this series. Like it, the guards, unless unless you want to switch LeBron onto Devin Booker and try and have him defend him, I don't know how you're going to do it. But as far as the guards on the Lakers team trying to keep up with him, Alex Caruso, uh, Dennis Schroeder, you want to put Caldwell Pope, you want to put Wesley Matthews, it, it doesn't matter who you put on him. Devin Booker is going to get his. So that's first things first. The Lakers have no answer for Devin Booker. Um, I mean, Devin Booker, again, you want to talk about a great playoff debut. His very first time being in the playoffs, 13 of 26, 3 of 7 from the 3, 34 points, 7 rebounds, 8 assists. I mean, guy almost had a triple-double, played 45 minutes. I mean, he was just absolutely phenomenal. So the Lakers will have to figure out how to – you you're never gonna stop a guy like Devin Booker just because his offensive his offensive bag is so deep. You're never gonna stop him, but you want to try and slow him down. You know, neutralize him to the best of your ability. How the Lakers plan on doing that, I'm not 100 percent sure, but we will see. Um, so that was one of the big takeaways. Another big takeaway, sadly, is that um, it seems as if the the um the leader for this Phoenix Suns team, uh, Chris Paul, seemed to be a little shaken up, and it seems like he's going to be kind of dealing with a bit of a shoulder injury. I believe it was um, for the rest of this for the rest of this series, really. Um, so we'll see how it all goes. And, you know, you can see he was he was grimacing uh, in the fourth quarter. Like I said, really showing some uh, some real discomfort in one of his shoulders. So that's, it's really something to keep our eye on. Hopefully he can bounce back and be healthy for the rest of the series, because this is our first time seeing Chris Paul and LeBron James play in the playoffs together or against each other. We've never seen these two play against each other, even though they're best of friends, we've never seen them play against each other. So um, I'm, I'm excited to see more of it. And I hope Chris Paul's body uh, can withstand the playoff series, because I think the Phoenix Suns have a really legit shot of making it deep into the into the postseason this year. Um, I think they have a legitimate chance of beating the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, I do believe this series is going to go seven games, but uh, I hope I hope Chris Paul can stay healthy um, because he's so important to this Phoenix Suns team, his leadership, his ability to help run the offense, how easy he makes it for Devin Booker to get his shots um, and just setting up setting up other guys. Chris Paul is very, very, very important. Was a guy who very quietly should have been in the MVP conversation this year. Um, so I'm hoping he can stay healthy uh, for the rest of this postseason, but we'll see what happens there. Um, the other big takeaway from game one, and if you're the Phoenix Suns, Obviously, you're happy about winning game one, but you have to understand LeBron James and Anthony Davis are coming. And what do I mean by that? Because I'm sure some of you are like, well, Dom, LeBron James and Anthony Davis played in game one. Yes. However, LeBron James and Anthony Davis combined for only 31 points in game one. Moving forward, those two might average 31 points a game each, <laughs> right? So you would just have to assume that the production is going to be much better. And also, LeBron James is notorious for losing game ones because he uses game ones as a feel-out process to see what you're doing. Okay, I'm going to feel this out, see how it is, and then, and then I'll make my adjustment and come out with the plan for game two. Like that's 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 kind of been LeBron's MO, if especially during the la this last couple of years. But that's kind of always been his MO. He uses game one as a as a litmus test kind of just to kind of feel the other team out. So that's why I'm not putting a whole bunch of stock into game one. Like I saw a bunch of teams I'm not not a bunch of teams, a bunch of people like, you know, 
this morning talking about, oh, is, is game two a must win for the Lakers? And I'm like, no. Like I said, the old adage in playoff basketball is a series doesn't, yeah, the series doesn't begin until the home team loses. As far as I'm concerned, the Phoenix Suns took care of business so far in game one. They have a game two coming up. If they take, yeah, if they, if they win game two, this series isn't over. The Lakers aren't in trouble. Now it does mean that game three and four are must wins, right? But the Lakers are fine. I'm not worried about the Lakers, right? Now I will say this. I know that LeBron James uh, uses game ones as, you know, kind of feel out processes, you know, and, and you can, and it's reflected in how uh, the, the, the lack of aggressiveness in his game, you know, he ended up with only 18 points, didn't have 10 assists, did have seven rebounds, but only 13 shots for LeBron James is very telling. He wasn't aggressive. And again, that's because he's feeling it out. Right. So I get that. Like I've come to expect that from LeBron James in a game, one of a series. Anthony Davis, Anthony Davis, five of 16 from the field, 13 points, only seven rebounds. That's not going to get it done. He has to be better. He has to be better. And that's not just for this series. That is for every series moving forward. Anthony Davis really is the key to this Lakers team because he is their ultimate mismatch. He is their number one weapon because he is the guy on the floor nine times out of 10 that the other team will never have a response for. You can have, even though he's the greatest player in the world, you can have a response for LeBron James, right? You can throw multiple guys who are good defenders to try and slow him down, make him work harder, right? You can keep guys you know, at bay and force guys like Alex Caruso and Contavious Caldwell Pope to hit, to, to beat you by taking threes because you've doubled him. Anthony Davis is the one person on the Lakers squad where you, again, most teams aren't going to have a response for. It's just a fact. So he is the key to them winning a championship. He is the key. And on nights when he struggles, they are going to lose. It's just that simple. Whenever Anthony Davis has an off night, especially in these posts in this in this postseason, the Lakers will lose. He cannot get outplayed by DeAndre Ayton, who DeAndre Ayton played a pretty damn good game for the Phoenix Suns. Ended up uh, ten of eleven from the field, sixteen rebounds, twenty one points in his playoff debut. Sixteen points. Or, I'm sorry, sixteen rebounds. 10 of 11 from the field, almost 100% from the field, only missed one shot, 21 points. That can't happen again. DeAndre Ayton should not, and I and trust me, I like DeAndre Ayton. I think he has some really good potential. I think he is a good young player. I think he's going to blossom into a very good big man moving forward. He's not on Anthony Davis's level, nowhere near it, not even close. There's no way in the world Anthony Davis should be getting outscored and out-rebounded by DeAndre Ayton. DeAndre Ayton was the best big man on the floor last night, and that should not happen when Anthony Davis is suiting up. It's just a fact. Now again, I'm not saying that the Lakers are in trouble. I'm not saying that, you know, the sky is falling. But what I will say is that Anthony Davis has to play better. I know LeBron will play better. I know he will. I've seen him do it. Anthony Davis, if we're being honest, last year was your first time really being in the playoffs as far as with a legit shot of winning something. Before, how many playoff series did you win in New Orleans? One, maybe two? The only one that I can think of off the top of my head was the one against the Portland Trailblazers a couple years ago. So... This is his first time really, you know, he's, I think Anthony Davis is still getting accustomed to playing playoff basketball, right? But he has to be better. He has to be because before, you know, last year in the bubble, there weren't really any teams that were really going to, that were really going to be a threat to the Lakers, right? Like the Portland Trailblazers were banged up. They were injured. 
they didn't have a single um, big man who could really keep up with the Lakers, you know. So the, the Trailblazers, again, super banged up, didn't ha- didn't have a big man that was capable of staying with Anthony Davis. The Trailblazers were never a real threat to the to the to the Lakers. Um, the Houston Rockets, again, same situation. They play a gimmicky style of basketball. Mike D'Antoni's system does not work, um, and they didn't have a big man. Anthony Davis just absolutely abused that team. LeBron James abused that team with their with their size. The Rockets had no shot against the Lakers, and then the Denver Nuggets. They were just too young, weren't really ready for the moment. And then you also had the fact that, again, Nikola Jokic, who, by the way, is probably going to win MVP this year, um, as good as he is, he's not athletic enough to keep up with Anthony to keep up with Anthony Davis. So now, however, in these playoffs, I think that's different. I think the Phoenix Suns are a legitimate threat to the Los Angeles Lakers. I think the Utah Jazz are a legitimate threat to the to the Los Angeles Lakers. And the Clippers, I, I will always give the Clippers a chance against the Lakers just because the Clippers were literally built to beat LeBron. The way the team is constructed, they're literally built to beat this Lakers squad. So we'll see how this all goes. <laughs> we shall see. But um, what I do know moving forward for the Lakers is Anthony Davis has to assert himself, and Anthony Davis has to be dominant because if he's not this Lakers team is going to lose they might not make it out of the first round if Anthony Davis doesn't get his act together and I mean that sincerely okay so that's enough of all the game ones let's talk about some of the game twos so the Miami Heat and the Milwaukee Bucks played game two last night the Portland Trailblazers and the Denver Nuggets played game two last night the Milwaukee Bucks won game one in a squeaker. Chris Middleton hits a dagger, hits a game winner that with about like 0.5 seconds left on the shot, hits a tough mid-range fallaway jumper to give the Bucks a win in game one. And after game one, I sat back and said, boy, are we in for a treat. This series is definitely going to go seven games. I'm excited. You know, Bucks and Heat. They play each other very well. The Heat always, for whatever reason, seem to match up well against the Bucks. That was not the case in Game 2. Game 2 was a blowout from beginning to finish. This game was never in doubt. The Milwaukee Bucks put up almost 50 points in the first quarter. It was 20-46 to 46 at the end of the first quarter, and Milwaukee never looked back. They absolutely ramrodded. The, the Miami Heat from beginning to end. Um, Jimmy Butler had a terrible game. I think he ended up only having like only scored 10 points. Um, yeah, Jimmy Butler ended up only having 10 points, shot four of two from the field. Um, Giannis Antetokounmpo dropped 31. Chris Middleton had 17. Um, Pat Connaughton had 15. Like it, it was just an all around great performance for everyone on this Milwaukee Bucks team and then on the flip side no one on Miami could get anything going the highest the highest score for the Miami Heat was Dwayne Dedman who ended up playing 21 points or who ended up having 21 minutes scored 19 points Goran Dragic had 18 outside of those two though those are the only two who had semi-decent nights like again sometimes you're just gonna have those games right Sometimes you are just going to have those games where it's just not your night. Shots aren't falling. Can't really get into a rhythm. The problem is you never want to have those moments. You never want to have those nights in the playoffs. And that's exactly what the Miami Heat did. Now again, the Miami Heat find themselves down 2-0, right? However, like I said before, series doesn't start until... The home team loses. Milwaukee took care of their home court. It's time to see if Miami can do the same. Now, Miami is in a must-win situation. <laughs> because you, obviously you can't go down 3-0, three, three right? But you also can't go down 3-1. Games 3 and 4 are must-wins if you're Miami. Because you cannot afford to go down 3 nothing or 3-1 to Giannis. 
He is a back-to-back reign. Yes, he's he's won two MVPs back-to-back, the reigning MVP, for a reason. There is a reason why the Milwaukee Bucks are always looked at as one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference and one of the best teams in the league. It is because they have that man, Giannis Antetokounmpo. You cannot afford to go down 3-0 or 3-1 to the Milwaukee Bucks. You just can't do it. So Miami has put themselves, granted, the Bucks took care of home court. That's what they're supposed to do. The Heat have put themselves in this situation where these next two games are must-win situations. Must-win games. Will they be able to pull it off? We will see. Again, I don't think Jimmy Butler is going to have a bad night. I also fully believe in Jimmy Butler's leadership. Um, I believe, and also his he's he's a clutch player. He comes up big in big moments. So I'm not necessarily worried about the Heat. I think that this was just a bad night for them. You know, I think that they just they picked a bad they picked a terrible day to have a bad night, <laughs> right? Because you never want to have your one of your worst nights in the playoffs. But that's what they did. Um, that being said, I do believe this team will bounce back and I'm looking forward to game three. I still believe this series goes to seven games. I do have the Bucks winning in seven, but game two was, was an eye opener. Um, it was, it was a little surprising. I did not expect the heat to, uh, get dealt with so easily, but again, it's only one game. They're only down to nothing. And they have the next two games at home. We'll see how Miami responds. Next of the game twos were was the Portland Trail Blazers and the Denver Nuggets. Now, the Denver Nuggets won this game uh, by a score of 128 to 109. However, the Denver Nuggets are still in a pretty rough position because the Portland Trail Blazers stole game one of this series. So this series is tied 1-1. And now the next two games, you're heading back to Portland. If you're Denver, you have to win one of the next two. You cannot, again, you cannot allow yourself. And I know, Denver, you all came back from being down 3-1 twice in the postseason last year. You shouldn't make that a habit. (laughs) You should not make that a habit. I get it. You're not, it's not necessarily, you know, like tonight's, tonight's, uh, or not tonight's game. Um, the next game, game three isn't necessarily a must win, but you got to win at least one of these games in Portland. Okay. Cause like I said, the series has started now. The home team lost in game one. You've put yourself in a hole. Now, granted, yes, you tied it up at, at uh, with game two and that's good, but these next two games are super important. You have to get a split. You have to get a split because you cannot allow Portland to go up 3-1. Not to a guy like Damian Lillard, who is an absolute stone-cold killer, who knows what it's like to send teams home. He is one of my favorite players in the league. He is an assassin. He is the most clutch player in the league. Yes, look it up. Since Damian Lillard has come into the league, there has not been someone who has scored more clutch points than Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard is the most clutch player in the league. And if you give him an opportunity to send you home, he will. Um, That being said, I fully believe I picked Portland in the upset here. Um, I looked at this Denver Nuggets squad and I said, listen, as much as I love Nikola Jokic, um, I love his style. I love the way he plays the game. I think he's phenomenal. Um, And I definitely think he's deserving of MVP this year. The fact is, without Jamal Murray their backcourt just doesn't have enough firepower to keep up with Damian Lillard, Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. They just don't. Um, I'm pick, I am I picked Portland to beat the Nuggets in six. And I'm, it's starting to look like I might be right. <laughs> um, like I said, however, the series is far from over. Again, it's the first team to win four games. Both teams have won one. The next two games will be in Portland. Uh, Denver could very easily win one or both of those games right so far from being over but denver has put themselves has put themselves in a precarious situation really looking forward to see how the rest of the series plays out though but i do have the portland trailblazers pulling out pulling off the upset um in round one here against the nuggets we'll see how that all fares once they head to portland 
And then, of course, we have tonight's games. Um, you have the Boston Celtics and the Brooklyn Nets playing game two at 730. The Los Angeles Lakers and the Phoenix Suns play at 10 o'clock, and the Mavericks and the Clippers play at 1030. Um, couple things. Boston, Brooklyn. I think the more that Brooklyn plays, the better that they're going to get. I think Brooklyn goes ahead and takes a 2-0 uh, series lead. Um, I think Boston will win one or two games. Like I said, I think Boston is good enough to push this game to six, uh, this series to six. But even that's going to take a Herculean effort out of Jason Tatum and Kimball Walker, and it's going to take a lot of guys hitting a lot of shots, so a lot of role players and stuff. And like I said, the more that this Nets team play, like this Nets team is a team that you probably, this Nets team is a team you wanted to catch them early because, like I said, they're only going to get better the more that Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden play. So they're a team that they're they're probably going to be the really the only team in the postseason that's going to be getting better as the postseason goes on, right? Like most teams, it's we're trying to play up to our potential and we're trying to play our best basketball. You know, um, we're just trying to play our best stretch of basketball. This is the only team that I think like still hasn't hit their ceiling. Like I feel like all the other teams we've seen for the most part what their ceiling is, right? This is the only team that hasn't reached their ceiling because their three main players have not haven't have only played nine games together this year. They're a team that as long as those three guys stay healthy, the more that they play on the court together, the better they're going to get together and the better this team is going to be moving forward. Um, so I have the Brooklyn Nets winning tonight. I think I think Boston, again, will win a game. I just don't think it'll be tonight. I think if if Boston does win a game, it'll be one or two will be in Boston. Um, but like I said, as this series goes on, the Nets are only going to get stronger. They're only going to get better, um, which is scary to think which is really scary to think. But uh, I have the I have the Brooklyn Nets winning tonight. Los Angeles Lakers and Phoenix Suns, like I said, LeBron James usually uses game one of a series to, as a tester, as a litmus test to kind of feel out what the opposing team is going to do. Um, the Chris Paul injury is a huge concern. If he's healthy, um, I give the, the Suns a little bit of a better chance, but I'm going to give game two to the Lakers tonight, to the champs or to the defending champs. Um, like I said, I just I think LeBron James has made his his adjustments. I don't think Anthony Davis is going to get outplayed by DeAndre Ayton again. And like I said, the injury to Chris Paul, I think it, it depending on how severe it is, because like I said, he was basically out there playing with one arm <laughs> uh, the other night. Like I said, he injured that shoulder, and he basically kind of just stopped using that arm altogether um, in the fourth quarter. So Hopefully he's all good. Hopefully he's good to go. But like I said, Chris Paul not being 100%. DeAndre, uh, I'm sorry, not DeAndre Aiden. Um, Anthony Davis coming back, I'm sure he will play better than he did um, in game one. And then obviously LeBron making his adjustments and seeing what you know what type of style he has to play to win this series. Um, I, think, I think the Lakers take game one or game two tonight. Then you have the Dallas Mavericks and the Los Angeles Clippers. Hopefully Ty Lue uh, takes my advice and puts Paul George and Kawhi Leonard and just have those two guys rotate on uh, Luka Doncic to try and slow him down as much as possible. I do believe the Clippers get back on track here. Um, I think good night for LA. It's a good night for LA. I think both LA teams win tonight. Uh, both teams tie up the series at 1-1, um, and we'll see how things go moving forward. It's going to be very interesting uh, in both of these series, but can't wait, man. Can't wait. Got some good, got some good playoff basketball, man. Playoff basketball is so great. I love it so much, but we'll see how that all goes um, there. Moving on from the, just trying to make sure I didn't miss anything. All right. Yep. Moving on from playoff basketball though we're almost at an hour so we're going to get out of here really quickly um two quick points that i want to talk about in the nfl very brief uh you know we're in that kind of window where there's not a bunch happening in the nfl you know the the draft has already gone by um you know guys for the most part have already been signed so there's not a whole bunch going on right now but there are some interesting trades that seem like they could be happening very soon Obviously, the first is Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers spoke with 
ESPN's Kenny Mayne um, the other day, you know, uh, FaceTimed into Kenny's show on ESPN, and they were just kind of talking very cordially. And Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers took some 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 real shots at the Packers organization, specifically the front office. Uh, basically questioned their character, basically questioned their integrity. You know, he said, he, he, he said, I love the people here. I love the fans. I love Green Bay. I love the coaching staff. I love the players. Um, and then he went, but like he said all of that, but then he went on to say, I feel like certain people in the organization uh, have forgotten that it's about character, that it's about integrity, that it's about the people. And those are some really deep shots because, like I said, you're you're taking shots at someone. And by someone, we all know he means uh, Gutkunz, right? Um, the general manager for the Green Bay Packers more so than anybody. He's taking some deep shots saying, hey, look, you forgot what it's all about. You he basically just said you have you have no you're, you're terrible at building a culture. You're, you're terrible you have terrible character, you have no integrity, you you lose sight of the bigger picture. Like, that's basically what he just said about Gutkunz. And I, I can't disagree with him. I can't. You know, when I look at what's happened in Green Bay, I don't know how anyone could disagree with what Aaron Rodgers is saying here. Um, but most importantly, those sound like the words of someone who is done in Green Bay. Um and granted, we've kind of all known that his time in Green Bay has come to an end. But to hear him speak and take those type of shots at the front office shows that he really is done in Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers is going to be traded soon. We are closer to the end of his uh, time in Green Bay than we are the beginning. And that just goes to show you how quickly the relationship can sour in in an instant in an instant a relationship can be ruined and now the green bay packers are going to have to scramble to find out what they're going to do because from what i've seen out of jordan love he in my humble opinion does not look ready to be an nfl quarterback also i'm sure you trade away aaron Rodgers, that's going to rub a lot of guys in that locker room the wrong way so what happens with Devontae adams what happens with Aaron Jones? What happens with, you know, really everybody? Hmm. Something to think about. But that's what happens when you try and plan for the future. Um, while also, you know, you 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 plan for the you plan to the future for a fault to a fault, right? Because you can't get so like you you have to you have to keep your eyes on the now, right? Like don't get so caught up in the future that you forget to take care of the now because now you've ruined what you were trying to build. You could have had a very easy transition of, okay, we have Aaron Rodgers. We're going to try and win a couple Super Bowls with him. Okay, yes, we drafted Jordan Love, but you know what? Maybe we can try and appease Aaron Rodgers, get some other guys in here, get him some more weapons, get him some offensive line help, get him something that'll help him win a championship. You know, do something. Um, and then hopefully, you know, we can work this out with Aaron and we have this peaceful transition from Aaron Rodgers to Jordan Love. You know, like you could have had that. You could have, but you didn't because you were so caught up on trying to build for the future that now you disgruntled one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. And now he's through with your organization and wants nothing to do with you. Aaron Rodgers is going to be leaving Green Bay. And now it's just a matter of when will he be traded? What will he get traded for, and where will he get traded to? Similar to the Aaron Rodgers situation, you have the Julio Jones situation. And I first want to speak on this. So first things first. First things that I want to say about the Julio Jones situation. For any other journalist that is out there, and this is what happens when you replace journalist with TV personalities or sports athletes. And this isn't necessarily a shot at Shannon Sharp because I do like Shannon Sharp. Um, I think he is intelligent. I think he is entertaining. Um, and for the most part, I believe he is genuine. However, what Shannon Sharp did 
on Undisputed the other day was, I mean, journalistic malpractice. So let me paint the story for you all. Shannon Sharp, and granted, I do believe Julio Jones, It it's still up in the air about whether or not Julio Jones knew he was on air or not, right? But it, basically what ended up happening was Shannon Sharp called Julio Jones on, on air, live, on television, and had him on speakerphone and just started asking him questions about the Atlanta Falcons. And then basically said, okay, so what's going on with the Falcons? You know, what's going on with the trade rumors? And Julio Jones, who again, maybe either maybe or maybe didn't know that he was on live television, spoke very candidly, spoke very casually, spoke very conversationally, um, and said, oh yeah, I'm out of there. Yeah, I'm out of there. I'm done. And that led to a huge firestorm. And granted, it's not necessarily a surprise. We knew that the Falcons were open to trading him, but to hear Julio Jones say it, that, oh yeah, I'm out of here. I'm out of there. It's just a, it's a very, it's a very damning soundbite, right? Because now it kind of makes it seem like, well, now you have to get the, now you have to get a deal done. And it also weakens the Falcons point of leverage because I'm sure the Falcons were looking to get a first round pick for him. Now, now that teams know that he's disgruntled, that he seems like he doesn't want to be there. And now that teams know that, oh, you guys are really openly shopping him. Teams are going to try and lowball you. Teams are going to try and lowball you 1000%. Um, and like I said, as far as just the journalistic malpractice part for me, that no matter what your relationship is with Julio Jones, you should not put him in that situation. If you want to bring him on the show, that's cool. If you know, you, you, but, and again, I'm just, just from what I saw, I don't know what happened behind the scenes. Perhaps, perhaps Shannon did give him a call during a commercial break, say, Hey, you want to come on? I'm going to ask you some stuff here. You're going to be on laptop. Maybe he did, but just from the way it looked on the show, it seemed as if Julio thought he was just speaking casually to Shannon, or maybe that he was speaking casually to, you know, the cast, but it seems like he didn't know that he was on a hot mic in my opinion, just from the way that he was speaking. Um, he also did throw a little bit of a jab at the Dallas Cowboys, which was funny because they asked him, like, you know, like, you know, some rumors, like there was a picture or something of someone being like, oh, you know, saw him in a Dallas Cowboys jersey, wearing a Dallas Cowboys jersey, and, you know, I, I, I wouldn't mind it and all this other stuff. Apparently, Julio Jones took a shot at the Dallas Cowboys and was like, I don't want to go to Dallas because I want to go somewhere where I can win. <laughs> um, but, you know, that's that's the interesting stuff, right? Um, now obviously you get into where can Julio go? Julio is going to make a lot of money this, this year, right? However, there are a bunch of teams that could use Julio. There are a bunch of teams that could use Julio. Julio Jones is one of the greatest wide receivers of all time. He's 32 years old, still, in my opinion, has many good years left. I, I, personally believe Julio still has three good years, three, maybe even four, if he really takes good care of his body. Um, the injuries are starting to mount. So again, something you have to think about there. Um, but the team that keeps on popping into my mind when it comes to Julio Jones and who should trade for him, it's the Indianapolis Colts. I mean, it just makes so much sense. The Colts have the cap space to do it. The Colts need a true number one wide receiver no disrespect to Paris Campbell no disrespect to Michael Pittman no disrespect to T.Y. Hilton none of those guys are number one wide receivers they're all really good pieces T.Y. Hilton is a great deep ball threat uh, Michael Pittman pretty good receiver Paris Campbell pretty good receiver none of them are number ones none of them are number ones you get Julio on this team the Colts have a legitimate chance of winning a Super Bowl. I mean, right now they have a decent they have a decent chance of winning a Super Bowl right now, right? You add Julio to this team, they might become the favorites in the AFC. 
And I mean that sincerely. With that defense, with them going out and tweaking with the offensive line, you go and add Julio after getting Carson Wentz in there, who if he can be any resemblance of who he was two, three years ago, this Colts team is going to be scary. But who will trade for Julio? We don't know. Very interesting. What we do know, though, is that Julio will more than likely be traded. Um, again, now it's just a matter of what are the Falcons going to get for him when he gets traded and where he gets traded to. But we'll see. Um, we've been here for a, almost an hour and 10 minutes, so I'm going to let you all go. Thank you all so much for listening to today's episode. Hopefully these new mics worked well. I'm going to run back and check and make sure. Hopefully we don't still have that popping noise in the back or anything like that. But thank you all so much for listening to this episode of the Instant Replay Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Dominic Shirosky. Um If you like today's episode, tell a friend to tell a friend, like it, share it, all that other good stuff. And if you didn't like today's episode, then just act like it didn't happen. Um, Yes, thank you all so much. You all are the best. Um, And as always, I leave you all with a quote. Kobe Bryant once said, no one hates the good ones. They only hate the great ones. So go out there and make some new haters. I'll see you all Friday.